Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Monday, June 2nd, 2014, and it feels weird saying this because we've been on a two-week break, but this is the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Derek Diamond. Hopefully, you had a fun and relaxing weekend as well as a fun Memorial Day weekend a couple of weeks ago. Before we get to our guest this week, here are just a couple of things that I have on my mind. First, this is going to be kind of a nerd-filled show. Those of you that also listen to the Nerd Cave know that I'm pretty big into geek culture, and my guest this week is as well, so if you're not into that sort of thing, then you probably won't enjoy this episode. But after Memorial Day, I saw the new X-Men movie, Days of Future Past, and the first thing I'll say, and this should really tell you in a nutshell how good it is, I've seen this in the theater twice. It was that good. And if you really enjoy the X-Men franchise, you will love this even more. It's the best X-Men movie yet. It brings back the original cast as well as the younger cast from First Class, which that was a very good movie in and of itself, and I thought it would be really tough to beat. But this movie did it. You've got to see it. It's really, really good. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen especially as the older Xavier and Magneto did not skip a beat. And it was just a really, really fun movie. Second thing, I actually just got back from a trip to Biloxi for a friend's bachelor party. And that was uh, not as wild as I thought it would be, but it was still pretty fun. Didn't, uh, Didn't make any money in the casinos, but I didn't lose too much, so I can't really complain about that. And no drunken hangovers either, which is, is always a plus. And nobody threw up on each other, so... That's always good. The third thing that I have on my mind is an event that happened this past weekend in Pensacola while I was in Biloxi. The Heroes for Hunger food drive that was put on by a lot of the people who were responsible for Pensacon in an effort to raise money for victims of the flood that happened here in Pensacola a few weeks ago. From what I hear, it had a really good turnout, and I'm... I'm just glad that a group like that, or just even a group of people, can band together and help each other. That's always really, really good to hear, because, yeah, a lot of people are selfish by nature, but I like to think that when some kind of disaster like this happens, it it really shows that we can all come together and do something great. And I'm mentioning all of these things because they're all in connection with my guest this week. I had mentioned a few weeks ago that I interviewed comic book artist Steve Scott, who I met back at Pensacon in February, and we had a little bit of a weird technical issue, and I have no idea what caused it, but his audio recorded, and it was perfectly fine, but... With my audio, you couldn't hear me talk at all, but you could hear Steve acknowledging me. So that was really, really strange, and I I really have no idea uh, how to fix that. So Steve was gracious enough to redo our interview. Turned out great. Um, Steve is a really good person to talk to 
especially if you're wanting to get into art or comic book art specifically as a career. He's got a great opinion on things. He's even just fun to talk to about movies, specifically in the nerd or geek culture, because he just he always has a great opinion, a great grasp on things, and he's just so easy to talk to. And is this was one of the most fun times I have had doing an interview, and hopefully you guys come away from this episode thinking the same thing. So sit back and enjoy the Steve Scott interview. Back here on the Derek Diamond Experience with my special guest this week, uh, someone I met back at Pensacon in February, and he is comic book artist Steve Scott. Steve, how you doing? Man, I am doing fantastic. How are you doing, Derek? I'm fantastic as well. The first thing I wanted to ask you, because you were actually at this event this past weekend, but how did the uh, Heroes for Hunger benefit go? Oh, man, it was a whole lot of fun. I mean, I, I enjoy, you know, every time I get to go back to Pensacola for any reason and uh, see all my, my, my friends there, <laughs> I'm always ecstatic, man. It's, uh, there's a lot of great people there in Pensacola, and it was really a wonderful cause, you know. I, I, you know, we, uh, you know, here in Biloxi, Mississippi, you know, we, we're attuned with what it's like to actually suffer through uh, floodings. Um, I was uh, a captain on the fire department when Katrina hit. I remember having five and a half feet of water in my fire station alone, you know, that we, we were at. So, I mean, man, you know, it hit us hard when we saw what was going on with you guys in Pensacola. And, uh, yeah, yeah, the event went over well, uh, well received. A lot of people were bidding on items and contributing, and it all went to a good cause and a lot of fun. That's cool. What's funny is the weekend that you're in Pensacola, I was actually in Biloxi for a friend's bachelor party. Dude, you know, as much as I like Pensacola, you know, a bachelor party probably was going to be pretty fun. <laughs> no, anyway, man, I'm glad it was where I was at, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So when when we had that flooding a few weeks ago, like, did that affect you guys at all? Because, you know, you, you saw how it affected here. I mean, it, it made national news, which was the crazy thing. No, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't nearly the same. When I, when I say affected us or, or made us think, I mean, again, you know, we 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 experienced, you know, uh, I I at least personally did, and many people here, uh, uh, horrible flooding in Hurricane Katrina. I mean, I mean, to the point of like thirty feet of water flooding, and uh, you know, uh, in the station I was in had five and a half feet of water, and it looked like places there in Pensacola had maybe, let's say, if it, it, it might have been four or five. It doesn't really matter. It destroys everything in that person's house. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, and so I felt for you guys because it was really, you know, every time we see it, you know, we know what it's like uh, having been through it before. And so we knew our, our, our buddies over there in Pensacola were going through a rough time. We really did. Yeah, it was the most genuinely afraid I've been of weather since, for me personally, Hurricane Ivan, because I had actually just moved to Pensacola right before that whole flooding happened. And I, I didn't sustain any damage because I live on the second floor of my building, so I was okay. But there were several people I know that were affected and you know didn't have running water for weeks because of it. And it, it was just, it was crazy. And, yeah. I, and I'm glad that you, know, you guys did something to, to help that cause. I thought it was a really great thing. Well, you know, I mean, we, we um, you know, more than just having it become like our, our favorite local convention, I mean, because it really is the only really big, uh, the only well-done local convention in the area. I, I You can quote me on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I, I'll, I'll stand by that quote. But uh, the thing is, man, I mean, you know, a lot of the, the guys, you know, everybody there has become really good friends of uh, all of us here. You know, I mean, uh, so, yeah, our, our, our hearts went out. You know, we, we, we paid attention to, like, a lot of the posts on Facebook dealing with the flooding and, and the flooded out roads. And, and we saw what you guys were going through. But, uh, yeah, ne never a problem, man. Anytime I can be of any benefit or any help at all, I'm, I'm there because I've, I've had a lot of help in my life. So, you know, hey. Works out yeah. great. Yeah, that, that's a really good, uh, really good outlook. Uh, I haven't got a chance to talk to you since this happened, but how did uh, Free Comic Book Day go in Biloxi? Oh man, Free Comic Book Day is always a gigantic event at Three Alarm Comics. Um, I, I don't know where everybody comes from, but everybody comes out of the woodwork on that one day, a, uh, you know, a year. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, if there's anything, there's a bit of frustration because it's like I'm like. Where are these people on Wednesdays and Saturdays? You know, <laughs> exactly. at the comic shop. You know, it's you know why why is it just free comic book day that anybody comes out? <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, you know, he he gets his good crowds on the regular days too. But but the point is, is that man, lots and lots and lots of people come out for uh, free comic book day in in Biloxi uh, and and have a great time. You know, it's it's a sort of a mini uh, comic book convention every time he every time he has it, and he brings in always. Um, uh, some new guest every, you know, uh, you know, each year, at least maybe a couple of new guests. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good event. How was it on your neck of the woods? Um, well, unfortunately I didn't get to go, but, uh, from like my co-host on the nerd cave, Zach, he went and he, he said that it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I wasn't able to go because I had a friend that was getting married that day. Like all my friends are getting married around the same time. It's kind of funny, but Dude, uh, man, yeah. I, I I don't I don't know if I want to ever hang out with you. Man. <laughs> it sounds like there's a contagion going on around you, and and dude, I've already been married four times. I don't need to have it happen to me again. Uh, maybe I'm not. Staying, maybe not. Dude, I'm staying clear of you from this point on. <laughs> just uh, I just I talk over Skype. I was considering you a friend, but I don't know. I don't want. I don't know. <laughs> you bad luck. Bad yeah, bad luck. Bad luck, Derek. Bad luck, Derek. <laughs> but no, for, from what I heard, and I saw the photos from uh, Three Alarm Comics there in Biloxi, and it there was a huge turnout, and it, it was pretty insane. And I mean, Zach said that there was a really good turnout and everything, so it, it looked like you guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Uh, we again, we, we really always do, and it just seems to grow uh, a bit more, you know, every year. And, uh, and again, a whole lot of fun, man. Definitely a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So, are you uh, are you originally from Biloxi? I was born in uh, the neighboring city and raised pretty much all of my life in Biloxi. Uh, graduate gra graduate from Biloxi High School. I attended college at William Carey in Gulfport. Um, yeah, and um, I only escaped from this place for about a little over seven years. I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, or just north of Atlanta, Georgia, you know, the, uh, the burbs. Uh, I lived in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia for some time, and then later Duluth. Georgia and uh, and and you know and then meandered back here, so yeah I'm I'm a I'm a local. Oh, I didn't know you lived in Georgia. It's funny you say that because back in uh, 2010, I actually lived in Norcross for a couple of months. Okay, awesome. Yeah, man, Norcross is really cool. I, I I've been there often. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, if you lived in it uh, near Atlanta for a while, did you ever go to Dahlonega, Georgia? No, I've never been. Okay, well, in, in Dahlonega, Georgia, it was about an hour north of um, Alpharetta. Uh, you can, uh, off of 400. 
you can actually go to this old quaint little town, you know, that was uh, just amazing. It, it was the first, um, one of the first gold rushes were in Dahlonega, Georgia. And you can actually still gold mine, gold mine there. You can pan for gold at two different locations. It's really cool. And you keep whatever you pan for. You get gold and gems and all kind of other cool stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a little place I loved to go to when I was there. <laughs> so how did you get into drawing comics? Um, you know, it's, it's so funny you should ask me something like that. Uh, the, my studio is in Three Alarm Comics, and today, you know, I meandered into the, into the shop out of uh, my, my cave of a studio. And there was a gentleman here that talked to me about, you know, he wanted to get into writing comics and asked me, you know, some tricks to how he should begin. Uh, you know, I, I started like most people do. You know, I started, you know, uh, by making some connections, doing some networking. And uh, there were some people that believed in me enough. Uh, even though my work was not, it was very subpar in my opinion. But they believed in me enough and they saw how much I was trying. Uh, and <clears throat> we worked on a on a independent project called Hurricane LaRue together. You know, ba- a character based out of uh, New Orleans. Um, and you know, uh, you know, we just kind of started that way, and I, um, from there, I went on to get some work submitted into Malibu and start. But still, it was the same way I tell everybody, man. Start off by showing that you can produce the product, and then you can make a deadline, and you know that you have the capabilities of doing more than to you if, in 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 fact, the quality starts to get up there to that point. And did you go to college for uh, for art? I, I went to William Carey College on the Mississippi Gulf Coast for about two years for just commercial art in general. But there was nothing that my professors taught me that related to comics. Matter of fact, you know, I had several professors tell me, you know, you don't need to be doing commercial art, and comics is such an inferior thing. You need to be throwing paint on a canvas and telling people what you were feeling as you did such and have them pay money for the splattering effect on the canvas. And I said, no, that's not what I want to do. And at the time, I was going to college, I was working as a screen print artist doing t-shirt and hat designs and things. So I was already working, yeah, I was already working professionally in the commercial art field while going to college. So I eventually quit college and uh, I spent about three years I got on the fire department, <laughs> and then I spent about three years submitting samples to, you know, the publishers out there, in, any and all publishers I could. And, you know, every two weeks I would send packets out, you know, with new samples, new six-page samples. And I just didn't give up until finally I, you know, got in there. And what was the first major comic company you worked for? Uh, between the two of them, I worked for Marvel first. Um, and, and almost in every way, because I worked for Mar- Mar- Malibu Ultraverse, which eventually got bought by Marvel. So even in that respect, you know, it was kind of by proxy. But I worked for Malibu Ultraverse. Then I worked in London Night Studios, um, Brainstorm Comics, independent publishers. And then Marvel picked me up. And I worked on, um, I did New Warriors first, but I, I, was, I was asked to do like a fill-in on Wolverine. I think it was the first published gig I had for Marvel. And an, um, oh, another X-Men title. I can't remember what it was. I did like four pages of it. You know, just one of those things where, hey, look, there's somebody running way behind. Can you contribute these four pages or five pages? I'm like, sure. Um, you know, and then, and then, boom, you know, New Warriors. So, uh, yeah, Marvel was the first one. 
were you a Marvel fan growing up or were you a DC guy? I was a fan of both, man. I really was. I, I, I got into comics because of Star Wars, and from Star Wars, I found Micronauts. But I also liked a DC comic, an anthology comic called Time Warp. It was a, a, a science fiction anthology that was like the dollar size comics. I love that. I enjoyed Batman. I enjoyed Green Lantern. I really enjoyed like a lot of stuff. Uh, I didn't stick with any particular one uh, one company, you know. The X Men I was a big fan of, but I never I never dreamt of. I, I got lucky. I got to draw X Men with Chris Claremont, you know. Stuff I've done, man. I just lucked upon. <laughs> You mentioned a second ago that you're a Star Wars fan. Have you seen that video that J.J. Abrams has put up where he's talking about how if you donate a certain amount of money to the movie, then you get, say, this certain prize? Or I can't remember exactly how it goes. but Dude, I'm a geek nerd, always following whatever neat thing is on the Internet. I have already, of course, yes. And I, I think it's really neat. You know, I, I love the character that was in the background that just seemed to be like a... Uh, a puppeteer created, you know. I mean, it was, it was a, you know, it was not a, it was not a CGI character, and, and it could have easily had just been one. And and I I dug it, you know. I like the idea that they were showing that he, someone, someone involved with Star Wars now, is showing us these little things of like the big circle of the actors, you know, that have been selected for the first one grouped together, you know, so that we can see all the selected ones that are, the actors are going to be in it. In, in that little black and white still. Dude, that was amazing to me. And then, of course, seeing the, the film, that you the short little clip that you're talking about, that was, that was candy, man, to a bunch of fans. And, and I'm sure that all of us, I, I appreciate it. I'm sure all the other fans do, too. You took the words right out of my mouth. I loved that it was a puppet that was standing next to J.J. Abrams and not a CG character, because to me that says that they're going to make it more like the original Star Wars movies, which is great news for all of us. Yeah, I, I did too. And I, and I think all the, all the real Star Wars fans really just dug it. And, and again, you know, I, I just dug the fact that you know, they didn't have to make that offer. That didn't have to even happen. I don't know if J.J. Abrams was responsible or who was. But whoever did make that happen, you know, i got to give creds to. You know? I just can't wait to see the first trailer for it. Oh, dude, I know. Uh, you know, we all, all of us cannot wait because you know we all already see what uh, Disney has been doing with really the Marvel franchise, and, and um, uh, you know, and, and what J.J. Abrams have done with really with Star Trek. So you know, if if you can combine the quality of Avengers with the Star Trek franchise, and then and then toss in that it's actually Star Wars with much of the original cast, man. <laughs> it's 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 what I call like a, a it's a it's a nerdgasm, you know. It, I'm just saying it, you know. It's a nerdgasm, man. I, from from this guy's point of view, anyway. <laughs> I remember seeing the original teaser for Revenge of the Sith, and it also had footage and dialogue from the original movies. And to this day, it's still the only trailer that I've seen get a standing ovation in theaters. And I think that when the trailer for episode seven comes out, I think the same thing is going to happen. I, I, I no, I, I think even more so because um, here we're going to actually have scenes of, of Han and Princess Leia and, and Luke, you know, characters that most of us who were, were the, the reasons why they were Star Wars diehard fans, we followed those characters. 
and R2-D2 and C-3PO. But, of course, we did have those in the prequels. But we followed Luke and Han and Leia and Chewbacca. We're going to actually have those actors, you know, basically going back in those roles. And, and even any glimpse of, of Han at the helm of the Millennium Falcon, uh, you know, is going to get an amazing standing ovation, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be great, man. It, it really is. But, you know, I was talking earlier on a podcast. Um, uh, I was on Pulpcast earlier today. Uh, you know, something about the films that are coming out now, you know. And, and a lot of us uh, geek nerds, you know, will critique and, and really, you know, like, oh, I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And we'll come up with our reasons why we really don't. You know, or, or we like it. We love it. And, you know, and if we think back, honestly, to the quality of the films that were being done, let's say, 10 or 20 years compared, uh, you know, dealing with our pop culture of, of comics and video games, or whatever the case may be, you know, we almost shouldn't even complain. We should just be happy that there is this much attention and quality being given to things like the Avengers, Iron Man, Batman, you know, um, Star Wars, Star Trek. I mean, the quality right now is just Man, it's it's out the park, man. It's awesome. It's funny you mention that because on this upcoming episode of The Nerd Cave, Zach and I had a pretty in-depth discussion about Spider-Man and how fanboys basically like to complain that things aren't exactly what they want. But if you look at that first Amazing Spider-Man movie, the one that came out a couple of years ago, and Spider-Man is swinging through New York, it's the most realistic looking that Spider-Man has been ever. And not to sound kind of cold or anything, but I think that, you know, all the diehards should really just take a step back and just kind of not complain and be happy about it. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen the latest Spider-Man. I mean, I, I, I saw the new things that are out. Uh, X-Men that just came out. I've seen Godzilla. I didn't go see Spider-Man yet. I'll probably get that on DVD. Um, you know, but uh, you know, the first the, the first of this new Spider-Man bunch, I I, I feel like you. I mean, I, they were a little. For me, there were things that I'm like, you know, well, this to me is not Peter Parker. Whereas the last three that they did, well, the third one was awful with that first. Anyway, that whole batch. But, but the first two, you know, and especially the one with Doc Ock, you know, that was Peter Parker. That was Man, that was Doc Ock. Amazing. Now, and nope, I didn't mean the pun of saying amazing, but anyway, let's just keep it there anyway. But but this new this this new batch of Spider-Man films, man, Spider-Man is completely on target. I'm talking about his cockiness, the way they're handling, the fact that he built his web shooters. I dig the heck out of that. I, and you know whether I like the guy playing Peter Parker or not doesn't really matter to me. Uh, you know, I still am so happy that they are deve de devoting such high quality to, you know, this character that as a kid brought me so much joy. You know, I mean, I, I dig it, you know. And you said you've seen Godzilla? Yes, yes, I have. What did you think? Uh, you know, I, Godzilla I used to like when I was a little bitty kid, even though there were silly things like Godzilla would break into dance and you can tell he was like in a man in a costume and he was breaking down cardboard boxes. So I was I was Godzilla fan to a point anyway, but not so much a big Godzilla fan. 
So the quality of the Godzilla battles and things like that in this was amazing, uh, uh, outstanding. Uh, I believe that, that he was real, but yet also he could have been a man in a suit. That, that was wonderful about what they did with the CGI on him. They anatomically, they could have stuck a man in a Godzilla suit and still filled, fit the bill for what they did for Godzilla. But I also like that they had a story. Um, uh, is is a uh, can we announce spoiler spoiler alert? Yeah, I mean it's been out for a couple of weeks, so why not? Okay, spoiler alert. You know, one of the main characters, probably probably their highest paid actor in in the in the movie, was killed off rather quickly. You know, Brian Cranston. That um, shocked me. Okay, but with that being said, it shocked everybody. And with that, with that, that's in, in storytelling realm, and somebody that works with storytellers and writers and people in the creative process, it allowed everybody in the audience to wonder that it, it, you know, who could be next and that anybody that we can get comfortable with and enjoy and like could die next. In other words, so it gave us a sense of uncomfortableness that anybody else could be the next to go. So even as much as some people hated it, it was brilliant storytelling technique. Not to spoon feed us a comfortable aspect of saying, we're following this guy from the beginning and he's going to take us to the end. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Well, you know, I, I, uh, my... my on the pop culture palette, you know, I was talking to Jason about this, and Jason didn't like that fact. And I said, man, that's a part of it that was brilliant storytelling. And, and yeah, it was uncomfortable because we liked Brian Cranston. Those of us that were, you know, you know, fran- you know fans of Breaking Bad already liked him, as, you know, anyway. But, but he was so, he did such a great job in this film, and, and we liked him. We were following him, and all of a sudden, he's gone. So, you know, in our hearts, we're like, wow, man, nobody's safe nobody is safe and uh you know it, it to me that's good storytelling uh x-men i you know it's been a mixed bag i've heard some people you know not liking this new x-men film for me personally i i loved it i really enjoyed it i, I think it really fed us a lot of excitement and and a really good story an in-depth story that made you think um again you know saying the word spoiler alert you know there were things that were you know, uh, history was changed, and uh, and and it was very, it was very nice how it all got brought about and how everything happened. I I enjoyed it. I did too. Uh, going into the movie, I was thinking that first class was going to be really really tough to beat. Yes, but I'd say right now it's probably the best X Men movie that's ever been done. I, I do too, and, and and now at this point, I think that uh, First Class is now only the second, only because this came out. Because otherwise, I, I agree with you, it was really fantastic. And, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman does a great job portraying Wolverine. He really, really does. You know, we, we can't credit him for certain scripts and stories. Like, when they did the Wolverines by themselves, I, yeah, you know, it, it's great to have a Wolverine movie. I, like I said, I don't like knocking anything. But, you know, would it be something that I would say that I, I watched again or cared to even watch again? No, it wasn't. But, but the point is, he does a great job at that character. He, he's, a, he's a perfect example of, you know, sometimes people blame the actor for the script or the directing, and that's not the case. Hugh Jackman does a really great Wolverine, so, you know, sometimes it's not the actor. Uh, it, here's an example of why I, I, I say that and phrase it that way. Um, 
people b- blame Ben Affleck for a bad, you know, uh, uh, Daredevil. Uh, I think Ben Affleck did a fine job playing Daredevil and will do a fine job doing Batman. But people didn't like the Daredevil movie, therefore the actor was associated with that and is now going to be portraying Batman, therefore it was the actor's fault that they did not like that movie. After seeing that movie, I was just thinking it's a shame because Daredevil has become one of my favorite comic book characters. And especially now with reading the Mark Wade version of the character, and I think he's done some great things with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say he's in my top five, maybe even my top three favorite comic characters right now, or of all time. I, I agree with you. I mean, I've always really loved Daredevil. I mean, to me, he was like the underdog of the Marvel Universe. And he was the one that it was so ironic and wonderful that Frank Miller, you know, took under his wing in the 1980s. And, you know, Daredevil was not, quote-unquote, popular until that happened. But if you, if you look back at and read the old Daredevil comics even prior to Frank Miller, he was an interesting character. I mean, he was a fascinating character. And because he was an underdog and he was never part of a team... He was an easy one for somebody very creative like Frank Miller to say, you know what, give me full reign on this and let me see what I can do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what did you think of the photo that was released a few weeks ago with Ben Affleck in the Batman suit? <laughs> I thought it was great, man. I, I, I liked it. Uh, you know, it was so funny. Um, you know, I did that Ben Affleck uh, as Batman thing a while back that look, you know, it looked a lot like it was a character design for it. You know, and, and, and people really uh, picked it up as being such. You know, if you look up my name and our Ben Affleck costume right now on Google search, it's going to come up every time. But you know, I, it, it pro- you know, a few months ago, I did like a piece, um, a Batman piece of him with his head down crying, and I, I think I even titled it "Sad Batman" or "Crying Batman" on on uh, my uh, eBay on that piece. And then, lo and behold, this this piece becomes called "Sad Batman" every time. It's a, it's. But no, uh, you know the cost as far as the costume goes. By the way, uh, man, you know it looks it looks fine to me. They have gotten they have been pumping the steroids into Ben the same kind that had been, you know, uh, uh, pumped in, into uh, you know several other actors. You know, whenever they've been doing these superhero roles, uh, and um, I, you know, I, it. it He's filling the suit basically. He's he's he looks. He's got the jaw to be Bruce Wayne, he, and being Batman. I mean, there have been actors before that had no jaw, that had receding hairline, that got away with playing Batman. So I mean, if anybody complains about the fact that he wouldn't be a good Batman by appearance, they're crazy. You know, he definitely has the look that would make a good Bruce Wayne, and obviously a good Batman. And and, and he's buffing up like Hugh Jackman. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's doing everything he can possibly do to make the fans happy. Because, you know, one thing that the fans have got to take in consideration with, with Ben Affleck, he's, a, he's one of us. It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like one of us has just been given the role of a lifetime. And instead of it just being an actor that's agent convinced them, hey, this would be okay for you, he's one of us. And and yet, still, people are going to give him hell. It's like, what the hell? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, when it was first announced, I didn't really care for the choice. But now that I've kind of taken a step back and it's soaking in and I've seen the photo and everything, I think he's going to do a really good job. So I, I'm perfectly fine with it. 
No, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, there's there's a, a, a so many other choices that they could have had in Hollywood that probably would have like made us go, oh, that's a great choice, and all this. You know, it ended up being somebody that it's it, it, it almost sounded like it was a fake uh, announcement to us because again, the reason being is because Ben Affleck is an honest to goodness comics fan too, and he digs this nerd stuff. And so it, it almost seemed like somebody was toying with us in a goofy way. And then everybody wanted to come up and chime and say, well, I didn't like Daredevil. Yeah, pff, whatever. So, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so it became that. But, I mean, again, man, those fans and those people don't understand that so many people are involved in the process of making these. I, I liked Daredevil okay. And, and, and I, Daredevil is one of my favorite characters, and I liked it okay. Um, I didn't, you know, what it wasn't my my favorite uh, superhero uh, film. I, I I put Rocketeer above Daredevil on my, you know, what I liked, and and I thought that they handled Rocketeer perfectly, you know, as far as ro- what Rocketeer should have been. Example, uh, but you know, I mean, to me right now, you know, some of the, uh, uh, you know, that uh, that uh, Captain America movie that just came out, the second Captain America movie was probably almost as good as the Avengers, or maybe as good as the Avengers, which to me places it as being one of the, the my favorite superhero movies that have been made. And I, I'm a mediocre Captain America fan. I mean, you know, he's like the, the goody-goody Boy Scout. But yet they did, they did this movie so well that I, you know, they wrapped that goody-goody Boy Scout around an amazing cast and a really good exciting storyline and you just couldn't help but love it i give lots of kudos to that i mean that's fantastic and scarlett johansson dude any anything yes anything that she can be anything that scarlett johansson can be in i have a i have a fondness for her Uh, oh yeah oh yeah the reason why i liked that captain america movie so much is because you could take all of the marvel and superhero aspect out of it and it still would have been a really solid spy thriller type movie oh completely agreed you know and you actually could have done practically the same thing with avengers and if it were another movie not dealing with comic books but uh dealing with let's let's say all of a sudden a science fiction thing where people had some powers and there was no history of the marvel universe involved I mean, again, you know, it, it still comes down to it. You know, you have to have a solid film, a solid story that people care about, and more importantly, too, characters that they care about. Um, you know, um, from uh, the Avengers movie, really, um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was to me the anchor. <laughs> you know, he's he's such a wonderful character playing Tony Stark. You know, he's just so likable. Uh, but but they're also, uh, you know, when I look at the Avengers movie, when people ask me, and I'm a big uh, Hulk fan. I mean, I've worked on um, Marvel Adventures Hulk, and it was probably one of the highlights of my career working on that, on a run of that uh, Marvel Adventures Hulk. Um, this was, to me, The Avengers was the best Hulk movie ever made. And it was perfect, I agree. perfectly done. Flawlessly done. And, and so, yeah, there was so much I liked about that Avengers movie. Uh, you know, and, and I'm a DC fan, too. You know, as we discussed, I like both Marvel and DC. I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about the DC films that I'm watching. Um, I do enjoy with uh, TV. I enjoy the Arrow TV show. Uh, I've always been, you know, give or take about, um, you know, Green Arrow. 
I like him okay, but he's never been like one of my favorite, you know, go-to characters. But man, he—they're making Green Arrow really a TV show's Batman, you know, and Ollie is pretty much, you know, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I've actually just started getting into Arrow. I think I'm only like four episodes in to the first season, but I really like what I've seen so far. Well, you know, I, I enjoyed the first season, and I really enjoyed the second season even more. And with that being said, I mean, all other friends of mine that t- I've talked to about that before have said, I almost gave up on it on the first season, but I really loved second season. So just to let you know, you know, you can stick with that one. Now, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and, and I'm, I'm giving everybody overload on, on my opinions of things here, but I, I tried so much. I, was, I watched it up to about four to five episodes, I think, maybe five. And unfortunately, it also came out when amazing TV shows like Blacklist and, and, and a show that I thought had no chance in hell because how can you make this a good show? This is silly. Sleepy Hollow. But I, I loved Sleepy Hollow and I loved the Blacklist, with, you know, uh, uh, James Spader. And then there was the Sh- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How can they possibly... Have how can they make this not interesting to me? I'm not saying that they did a bad job, and I'm not saying it's a bad show. All I'm saying, all I'll say is that for whatever reason, this show was completely uninteresting to me, and it blew my mind that it should be. I watched the first couple of episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then I started hearing nothing but negative things about it, and that really kind of turned me off to watching it. But I really want the show to succeed. I want it to be good. I, I do, too. I do, too. And from what I hear, the last few episodes of season one got better after they made some changes due to the whole Captain America plot. But with Arrow, it's kind of been the exact opposite, where I've heard nothing but good things about it, and that's why I've gotten into it. It, it, got, it got extremely good, especially over the last, uh, you know, the, the last few episodes of the last uh, second season. So uh, it, to, to me, it's, it's delivering, in my personal opinion, uh, as a, a comic book-based uh, uh, TV show, uh, it's delivering uh, on, on every aspect. You know, it really is, and, and I'm, I've been enjoying it. So, Keeping with the theme of superhero TV shows, you actually worked on one of my all-time favorite shows, Smallville. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Um, Season 6, I did two of the episodes of Justice and Doom, which appeared, uh, it aired along with the uh, TV show as a little extra segment, an animated, uh, flash animated segment, um, which introduced uh, really the JLA, so to speak, you know, uh, in there. And, uh, it, yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. It was really freaky weird because um, it, to be working on something, and we were in such a rush to produce it that, you know, we work on it, and, like, three weeks later, um, uh, we're seeing it on TV, airing live with when everybody else saw it on TV. And it's like, that, that's just what I was drawing on my desk three weeks ago. <laughs> you know, it was really weird, man. Wait, so you didn't see it for the first time until you saw it on TV like everyone else? Well, no, I, I, got, to see, I got to see it uh, before that. I mean, we were on, yeah, we were on like a, um, uh, there was a certain site we'd sign into and, and we would, you know, post uh, everything that we've done to the other people involved in the coloring process, the, the animation process and everything else. So I got to see it, you know, 
right prior to it. But it was still an odd thing to see something that you just so recently did. I mean, because it was really on a fast. We had to really work hard to get that stuff out. Um, you know, there was a time it, on the second part of that, if, uh, fifth installment, there's a scene where I've got um, Lois Lane, uh, you know, like being knocked out or something and Superman's going to her rescue, or, or Clark, I should say. And I drew her with uh, two, two left feet or two right feet. I mean, I, when, if you look at it, you know, you can tell that the feet are the, you know, the, the, they're two left feet or two right feet. You know, people have toes on one side or whatever. <clears throat> but, I mean, I was literally finishing up drawing that, like, in an absolute, like, days. I mean, uh, you know, like two hours of sleep or maybe one hour of sleep, you know, for you know, over a 48-hour period, you know, getting it done. I mean, it's one of those deadline crunch things that most people aren't aware of that we go through as comic book artists. But it was still so exciting to actually see it. And, and they animated it so fast that, you know, you'd have to be looking for it to see what I'm talking about. Looking back on it, because Smallville has been over for a while and it started back in the early 2000s, do you look at Smallville as kind of like a a precursor to, to setting up these other superhero TV shows like an Arrow? Oh man, yeah, yeah, especially especially Arrow because I'll tell you, I mean, you know, they had a very uh, a, a, an attractive looking young cast, you know, that they picked. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the uh, the actor, you know, that's, that plays uh, Ollie, you know, in Arrow, I mean, you know, he takes his shirt off, man, and there's no way women are not melting. Um, the, uh, the women in the show are just absolutely, all of them, drop-dead gorgeous. Um, I'm, I melt with those. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, but anyway, man, you know, I mean, they, they're, they're playing it right. I mean, you know, they, they, they're making this and designing this to really appeal to uh, an audience of all ages there. You know, they, they've got uh, characters in it that are in their uh, uh, probably, you know, in their but tw- about 21 years old and up. Uh, and um, man, it's just it's 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 very well cast and they're doing a great job. And, and they did the same with Smallville, in my opinion. They, they cast it very well. Uh, they did a wonderful job of, of even if you are not a superhero geek nerd like I am or probably I, I'm assuming you are. Uh, you know, you, you could still like that show, and, and you didn't feel out of touch by telling people, I really like Smallville, or I really like Arrow. You know, it did, they didn't have to be a comic nerd to be able to actually say, oh, I like it too. Yeah, I can remember back in high school when Smallville first came out, people I knew that weren't into the comic book or superhero thing all really liked Smallville because of the story aspect. Yeah, it, it, it had enough to appeal to, to everybody, not just that eclectic, limited few. And, and see, that's what I like about the idea of what's going on with comics these days, at least, or, or our, our, our genre, you know, is that the demographic, demographic can grow because of movies and the popularity of movies like Avengers and uh, like uh, Captain America and such. I mean, uh, you know, the numbers of people that actually go to go see those movies is just astronomical. So for you to say that I'm an Iron Man fan, there are people now that could say, oh, I get it. I am too. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, Moving back into your career, when I was doing my research on you, I saw that you've been working on this book called Blue Nemesis. Oh, yeah, actually, I'm still working on the Blue Nemesis. Uh, It's a creator-owned project with my friend uh, uh, James Maddox, and uh, it's a science fiction horror story 
uh, psychological horror as well, in, in a sense. And uh, it's, again, my first creator-owned project. I've, I've had to put some things aside because I'm, I'm uh, also working on a project right now for Legendary Entertainment. And um, since we talked last, too, uh, or actually we talked before, but it never got was able to be recorded. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, but, you know, I've also just, uh, I've just done a big tour of Europe as well but uh but anyway yeah but um but getting back to blue nemesis yeah it, it's it's something that's still in in the process of being produced and um i just talked to james the other day and um it's it, again it's my first creator own thing with a with a partner and uh, that i've got a writer that's absolutely fantastic now, up and comer uh and just uh does some wonderful and you've also been working on another book with Neil Gaiman called The Graveyard. Oh man, yeah, this is something that I, I you know, I worked on really with P. Craig Russell. Uh, P. Craig Russell uh, got the uh, he got the deal to go ahead and do an adaptation of the Graveyard book with Harper Collins, uh, publishers of like children's books. So this is being done in the highest quality you can possibly imagine. Um, it's coming out in two months from now. Actually, uh, it was really, It was uh, advertised and promoted in the May uh, issue of uh, Diamonds Catalog, and it's also going to be available in major bookstores along with comic shops across the country. Um, I did uh, basically uh, issue the first volume. You know, I, I did the interlude, interlude, and I did that along with uh, artist Kevin Nolan. P. Craig Russell, Tony Harris, and and a bunch more. And and man, I tell you, it's gonna be, it's gonna be an award-winning adaptation. Earlier, you mentioned that you went to Europe. Um, how did that go? And who did you go with? Man, that was absolutely a blast. And I'm I'm gonna be going back to Europe shortly. Um, I went with uh, Mike Grell and Mark Texiera. Uh, Mike Grell, uh, you know, speaking of oh, sorry about that. I kept my phone on. I didn't mean to do that. Um, uh, this is recorded live for a studio audience, and we just messed up. Anyway, uh, but no, Mike, Mike Grell, you know, speaking of Arrow, a lot of the concepts of the Arrow TV show that we talked about earlier um, were taken from Mike Grell's um, uh, work on Green Arrow. And, yeah, um, he actually, as a tribute to him in one of the early episodes of Green Arrow, they had a judge named Judge Grell, named after him. So, you know, he's, he's a bit of a uh, major celebrity in the comics universe, and especially anybody who likes the show Arrow, you know, should actually just adore Mike Grell. He's such a great guy with the most wonderful stories. Um, I loved his work on Warlord when I was a kid growing up, um, which, I, which I always, you know, got to tell him as we were touring and traveling and, you know, having drinks together. Yeah, I loved your work when I was a kid. And he's like, damn you, Steve. Uh, you know, but uh, no. Anyway, he's a great guy, and Mark Texiera, same thing, man. You know, he has done so much stuff. But um, uh, we toured. We started off in at the London Super Show, uh, and from there we went on to Paris, uh, Lyon. We went to various locations in Germany. Uh, finally, ended up in Breda in the Netherlands, and then uh, you know, I, I we stayed a couple of more days in Europe, and then flew back. But it was an amazing tour, and I'm going to be going back in late November to uh, I'm going to guest at a convention in Malta uh, which is an island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea 
Uh, it's a uh, short, you know, just south of Italy. And um, on my way back, I'm actually going to be staying in Europe for several months. <laughs> so it's going to, uh, I'm going to be, you know, uh, securing all my connections with doing some other tours with several other American artists. And uh, it's pretty much a direction I'm going to be going in. Awesome. That'll be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. You know, one of my lifelong dreams, you know, other than drawing comics, was to backpack through Europe. And uh, I'm not going to be so much doing that. I'm, I'm establishing, you know, I'm going to have a place to live. I'm, I'm going to actually get a, get a, you know, find a, find a place where I have a room, you know, need a roommate or have a roommate, whatever, and uh, have a location. Because as comic book artists, we need to have internet and a scanner and a printer and all this other kind of good stuff. But uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the way Europe is set up, man, um, the, uh, the train system is so amazing there, the bullet trains. Uh, I can live in, let's say, uh, Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and I can be in Paris in like an hour and a half. I can be in London in about an hour. Um, I, you know, you can be any other country you want to in about an hour to two hours. That's insane. It's insane and awesome. <laughs> and, and I will still have Skype, you know, because I can communicate with friends of mine in Europe right now from Skype, so I'll still have Skype to keep in touch with people, friends of mine here, and to interview with you, and I can say, hey, guess what, I'm talking to you from Paris right now, how are things going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to do that. Um, how did you meet Jason Robbins, and what made you guys decide to do your podcast, which is called the Pop Culture Palette? Well, <clears throat> Jason Robbins is a local, you know, he... he practically lives right down the road from Three Alarm Comics. I'm talking to you from there right now because I'm going to be working late on some commissions tonight. Um, anyway, you know, he, I, I, I met him at uh, probably one of the uh, uh, events here at Three Alarm Comics. And he said, hey, man, you know, uh, I have a, a podcast that I do, uh, the Broke Nerdcast, you know, with a friend of mine, Wally, you know, would you like to interview with us? And I said, sure, man. Uh, you know, I love doing, uh, as you can tell, I love to talk. So uh, anyway, uh, but he, uh, you know, he and I just got along so very well. He was also in a group called Fall as Well, and uh, which was a band that you know was a local band here that that did a, had a lot of success uh, in the early two thousands. And I was like, dude, that's so cool. He was a drummer in it, and uh, you know, we just got along very well. And I said, man, I have always wanted to do a podcast. I've always wanted to do you know something dealing with even radio. Uh, if I had not been a comic book artist, I wanted to be in radio. So uh, we decided to go ahead and do this. And, uh, you know, we do about every week or every two weeks, you know, we'll come up with a, a new episode. And we've had some wonderful um, guests on there, uh, you know, in the past. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, most of the time we're just talking, like you and I are talking right now, and just talking about all the cool stuff that's coming out. I mean, that, that's the cool thing about podcasting is that you get to meet new people that have the same interest as you. And the to me, the best podcast, because I've loved podcasts ever since I was in college, the best ones are ones like we're doing right now, where it's just more like a conversation and not, you know, question, answer, question, answer. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's an amazing way. And you know, here's the thing, you know, a lot of us, um, I mean, we get to share the experience of not being alone in our, um, our interest, you know, when com conventions come along. You know, it, it's the time when I get to normally feel like, oh, wow, other people here like what I like. Well, you know, I'm, I'm working out of Three Alarm Comics where, you know, I, obviously 
I always run into people that like and enjoy what I enjoy. You know, I'm lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones. But there are people out there who get isolated in between conventions. And, man, you know, there's nothing easier in the world than just popping up a podcast while you're at work or while you're doing something and, and listening to a conversation like this and, and, and say, man, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm creating a, a comic book right now or I'm wanting to write or I, I really enjoyed Avengers. You know, and it's, it's, I, I enjoy this time you know, in our lives right now where we do have the ability to do this and to share this. But yeah, man, uh, like I said, as far as what I've got coming out pretty soon, uh, July 29th, uh, I believe it is when it is, uh, is going to be coming out, the uh, Graveyard Book adaptation. Um, you know, just not too long ago, I actually had an issue of Judge Dredd come out. I did a backup feature in that. And the uh, stuff for Legendary, I cannot talk about right now, and it's still in production. Uh, I'm still waiting on approvals on certain things. But I'm, I'm signed on to work on this project, and uh, it, I'm very excited about it as well. And uh, again, just some really good things, man. The uh, Europe, uh, about six months from now, I will be having to have already worked out all the uh, specifics about where I'm going to be staying in Europe when I decide to stay there for several months. And do you have any social media that you'd like to plug for yourself or the Pop Culture Palette? Well, yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, check us out on the Pop Culture Palette. Uh, uh, just friend, friend me on Facebook under Stephen B. Scott, and also look for us on the, you know, uh, on Facebook, Pop Culture Palette. Um, and we, uh, we just did an episode not long ago where we uh, did our uh, critique of uh, Godzilla. And again, like I mentioned earlier, Jason and I disagreed on, on our, our, our look on it. And, and, you know, it was just like, you know... Uh, um, oh, what is it now with uh, Roper and uh, it? Uh, what was it? What was it? What were the two crit- critics' name? Ebert and Roper. Ebert and Roper. That's it. It was just like Cisco Ebert and uh, and Roper, Steve, Ro- whatever his name, Roper. Anyway, um, you know, I gave it a thumbs up. He gave it a thumbs sideways, I guess you could say. But we 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 happily didn't argue, but we had our own reasons why we liked it and why we disliked it, and and it was very amicable. I, I liked the way the the show went, and so it was worth listening to. And um, yeah, so so yeah, definitely look for us there. Uh, you can also find you know my work on DeviantArt, Steve Scott, DeviantArt.com, uh, and again, friend me on Facebook under Stephen B. Scott. Cool. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Oh, thank you. We. You know, uh, I'll, I'll tell everybody, we tried this before, but we had Skype problems, you know, and uh, so it was great talking with you then, and it's it's even better talking to you now. Yeah, and I, I want to thank you for redoing the interview and to apologize for the Skype issues that we had last time. I, you know, look, man, I tell you, it, it's, uh, I, in, I enjoy this, and I enjoyed our conversation, and, um, you know, for for every potential guest you have out there, if they hear this episode, Look, you got to come on this show. It's worth it. <laughs> Derek's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Alrighty, bud. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Steve Scott for coming on for the interview, it really as well as redoing the interview. It was Extremely nice of him to do that after all the technical problems we had last time. So once again, thanks Steve for doing that. I definitely owe you a huge favor now. And we will be back next week. I'm not sure who I'm going to have on as a guest, but we will have an episode next week. 
And don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at DDiamondExp. Find us on Facebook at the Derek Diamond Experience. And if you have any questions or any suggestions of who you'd like to see as a guest, you can email us at ddiamondpodcast at gmail.com. And that'll do it. See you guys next week.